Welcome to the Carbon mini-series within the Exploring Opportunities podcast brought to you as part of the Future Farming Resilience Support delivered by NIAB, AKC and Savills working in partnership. My name's Elizabeth Stockdale. I'm head of the Farming Systems team in NIAB. Today, we're going to explore where is the carbon on farm and have a quick look at a guide to the farm carbon footprint. And we're going to do that with the help of my guest today, who is Becky Wilson. Welcome, Becky. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. Um, I've been talking about soils and organic matter and soil health all the way through my career as a researcher. But what's your background and and how did you get involved in, in these sorts of things? So I've been lucky enough to be talking about all the fun stuff around soils, carbon, greenhouse gas emissions, manure, probably for about the last 15 years. Um, Prior to that, when I first uh, came out after doing my agricultural degree, I spent the first sort of five years of my career working um, as dairy farm manager, first uh, on a herd down in Warwickshire, then Sussex, and then came down to Devon, uh, which is where I, I still am today, which is a really great place to be based to work all over the UK. It's not great for my carbon footprint, um, but came out of came out of dairy farming because of the herd that I went down to manage. Um, basically, uh, we lost most of the herd to TB. Uh, and at the same time, I sort of started to um, expand my interest in, in other things apart from cows. Uh, and so went to work uh, for Dutchie College really trying to look at um, running a sort of resource management project down there. And then I've been working specifically on carbon and greenhouse gas emissions for 10 years in January, uh, where very much have sort of went to join the Farm Carbon Toolkit and have have been there for the last 10 years, really just trying to help farmers navigate this very confusing world of carbon. What does it mean for me? What does it impact in terms of what I'm doing day to day? How do all these things come together to actually give a good reflection of where I am now on my farm and what the opportunities are as we move forward. Cool so in the context of that farm carbon, carbon footprint, net zero, all of those things there is loads of different terminology used and we seem to sort of almost switch between different terminologies as if of course everybody knows what we're talking about and you and I are really bad about that sometimes when we're doing training and things together but can you just give us a very quick guide to the most important bits of terminology. Absolutely. So I think the first one really, especially for us within agriculture, is again that that all of this topic is really spoken about carbon. But for us, you know, if we just focus on what's going on in terms of emissions of carbon dioxide, you know, that's only a really small percentage of what we're doing. So we often use that term carbon, and especially when we think about carbon footprinting or net zero carbon for us within agriculture we're actually looking at, at three gases we're looking at carbon dioxide methane and nitrous oxide and and the combination of those three together which make up what's happening on farm but we talk about that in terms of our carbon dioxide equivalent so or often is turned to as co2e because we because we're slightly complicated as an industry we need to convert those those non-carbon dioxide gases into what they would mean as an equivalent. And the way that we do that is that we use something called their global warming potential or GWP, which you might see. We also think about, you know, a lot of the stuff that is spoken about in policy, net zero. You know, what does net zero actually mean? We know we have to get there, you know, as as the UK by 2050 and as the industry 10 years earlier by 2040. But, But net zero in its sort of simplest sense means that Whichever entity we're talking about, so that might be net zero for a farm, for a supply chain, for a county or for the UK or an industry, we need to try and reduce those greenhouse gas emissions as much as we possibly can do. So we need to get those emissions down on on that side of the balance, as it were. And then once we've done that, we then have the opportunity to look at how we can then 
store more carbon, so take carbon out of the atmosphere. And that process of taking carbon out of the atmosphere is carbon sequestration, and then obviously storing that over the long term. And so the net zero is really the balance between the emissions that are coming and then what we're doing in terms of how we're enhancing the storage of carbon, either at that farm level or more widely through a supply chain or, or, or at any other level, to mean that the overall position is one of zero. So there is a balance. The really important thing to remember with net zero is that there is still that reliance on the need to take that carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. But they're often sometimes the bit that's forgotten about is we still need to reduce our emissions. It's not just about business as usual and then we'll go and plant a forest or something like that it's about really that that sort of dual priority in terms of reducing emissions and then seeing where we can enhance uh, enhance carbon storage on the farm so on a farm we use this term um, i don't know many farmers do but we would carbon footprint how does that relate to the things you've just been talking about so the carbon footprint is how we measure all of these things. So that is how we calculate the amount of greenhouse gases that are being produced as a result of those farming operations. So as I said a minute ago, we know that we have a proportion of those greenhouse gas emissions that are coming from carbon dioxide. That's very much linked with what we're doing around the management of energy on the farm. So how much diesel we're using, what's going on in terms of electricity, all those sorts of things. We've then got a proportion of our emissions which are coming from nitrous oxide, and that's very much linked in with how we're managing our soils, our fertilisers and our manures. And then for those of us that have got livestock on the farm, the other gas which we're dealing with is methane. And obviously that's coming as a result of how we manage our livestock and then the types of animals we have, what we feed them, and then also what's going on in terms of how we manage, store and apply those manures and slurries. And so what a carbon footprint does is it allows us to quantify how much emissions we are producing as a result of doing those farming practices. They should also then look at actually where we might be storing carbon on the farm to give us a number. And that number is then reported in terms of those tons of carbon dioxide equivalent that just tells us how much of those greenhouse gases we're producing, where we're holding them. And then it's a really simple subtraction sum in terms of emissions, takeaway storage, which gives us that carbon balance. And that's the starting point for then starting to look at what you might be able to do in terms of some of those mitigation measures that I'm sure you'll talk about as you go through. So I'm I'm guessing then that we use the term footprint like it's the mark we leave behind. So it's the way our practices are kind of leaving a carbon mark. We could even equally talk about a food supply footprint Absolutely. if we really no, wanted really to. So it's that mark that we're leaving behind. Yeah, yeah our impact so, in terms of what we do, what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, so it, you've done lots of these things and talked to a lot of farmers and brought a lot of data together. Not expecting you to remember any of that in great detail, but based on that experience working with farmers, if we think about arable systems first and we'll come to livestock next, what what, what do those footprints kind of show on average for arable systems? So it's a really interesting exercise to do. And if we think about arable farms and we think about where those emissions are coming from on the farm, we can actually see a really good link between those things which we are bringing onto the farm as a result of trying to run you know, a, a profitable farm business. So there is a really lovely link between actually if we start to reduce those, we can also reduce our costs. But if we were to think about 
where those majority of the emissions coming from. About 60% of our greenhouse gas emissions associated with arable production systems are coming from fertilizer. So that really is the big thing that we need to think about. And that's both the emissions associated in the manufacture of that fertilizer, because we know it's a really energy intensive process, but then also what you do with it when it comes on the farm. So actually things around the type of fertilizer, the rate you're applying it, all those timings, all of those other sorts of things. So that's about 60%. We're then thinking about actually sort of fuel use and field operations, and that's about 20%. So that's very much linked up with your cultivation practice, with how much diesel you're using, how many passes you're doing across each field, what your rotation, all those sorts of things which will really govern what you're doing around disturbing that soil and how many times you're driving your tractors around. We've then got about 10% of those emissions which are coming from other fertility sources. So that might be if you're using manure or you're using um, sludge or those sorts of things, but also the applications that are coming from uh, P and K as well. A little bit, sort of just under 10% is then coming from the emissions of getting the seed to your field to plant it. And then a really small percentage is coming from sort of crop protection. So what you're using in terms of fungicides or herbicides or those sort of things. And by sort of breaking it out into those different categories, it then allows you to think about, well, actually, where should I concentrate my efforts? Where is am I going to get the most bang for my buck in terms of if I start to actually start to change some of those processes, it's going to then reduce my emissions and I hope also hopefully at the same time reduce your costs. And I guess if we were thinking about an arable farm that had crops like potatoes or had some horticultural crops in the rotation, that might change the balance and we might have to think about things like storage or other things as well. Absolutely. So for anything that's got that sort of um, cold storage requirement, and obviously there's an energy, there's an energy associated with that. And that energy is obviously coming from carbon dioxide. So that will also then adjust it. And again, there's no such thing as an average farm, but the things to really focus on are the things which are costing you money. And those things would be your fertilizer, your energy, your fuel, because those things are also producing those greenhouse gas emissions. So again, that's where we can link back to you know, there's a real business benefit to thinking about these sort of things because there are often opportunities to save costs by also at the same time reducing your emissions. Okay. Now, livestock systems will have some of those things in common, but what's similar and what's different about the footprint for livestock systems? So again, if we start thinking about ruminant livestock systems, within ruminant livestock systems, although we're still going to be using fertilizer, so that's still going to be coming on with a footprint, we're still going to be using power and fuel. So again, that's going to be coming on with a footprint. We're suddenly, because we're dealing with, with ruminants, which are producing methane, the sort of balance in terms of how much of that footprint is coming from fertilizer is much reduced because suddenly we've got uh, you know, animals walking around which are producing that methane as a result of, you know, turning grass into something that we can eat. Um, so on a sort of ruminant farm, about half of your emissions will be coming from the animals themselves in terms of that enteric fermentation. Um, there are then about another 20% will be coming from our manures. So that's very much about not just how we apply them, but how we manage them and then also how we store them. So again, trying to keep hold of that nutrient and then use it to, to displace fertilizer, fertilizer application. And then we're thinking again about those things that are coming onto the farm. So that's our any purchased feed that again is coming onto the farm with a footprint. Um, so again, looking at how you can reduce that and then energy costs as well. So again, we've got this sort of this, this divide between what you're doing on the farm in terms of how that's producing emissions and then the the sort of embedded emissions that are coming onto the farm with those products that you are bringing on. And then if we think about our non-ruminant livestock, so our pig and our poultry systems, 
just like we were talking about in terms of with some of those crops which have a slightly more storage requirement because they are not you know ruminants they haven't got that big emission that's associated with that digestive process it's important to remember they do produce a little bit of methane through how they're managing and, and storing their manures and slurries but again we've got that a lot of feed coming onto the farm um, and that again is coming with that high carbon footprint uh, so thinking about feed and then what we're doing around manure and then fertilizer again are the key things to look at. Cool so why do farmers or in fact anyone get or made responsible for those things they bring on? How come they have to count in the emissions that the fertiliser manufacturers made or the feed guys made? How, why, do, why does that work? It's one of the questions that we get asked all the time. What, you know, why am I responsible for this? Well, because you're the one using it. And again, if we think about how we take account for these things across the life cycle of those products, um, being the, the, the consumer or the user of that means that actually, you know, you have to take responsibility of what that comes onto your farm. But also what we're starting to see as we move forward is that as our fertilizer and our feed manufacturers start to focus on how they can reduce their footprint, we do start to see that there is a, a difference between some of these things that you can bring on. And so in order for you to be able to take account for the fact that you might be using a feed that has a lower carbon footprint or a fertilizer product that actually, again, has a lower carbon footprint, we need to be able to include that so that you can then include the benefits within your footprint. So it's really important that that is included because, again, it's part of that completeness of doing our doing our footprint is that, you know, as the consumers of those products and the need to bring those in in order for our business to work, we need to make sure that we're not ignoring that part of the footprint because we are the ones that have the opportunity or we will do more and more as we move forward to select those products. Yes, on price. Yes, on efficiency, but also based on their carbon credentials. And we will start to see a lot more of that down through supply chains as they start to look at how they can decarbonize um, what they're doing. And a key part of that will be working with their farmers. So I guess that's also why for many farmers, it's their purchases of milk or grain or anything else who are also coming back to talk to them about carbon footprints because actually those guys are being asked to look at their carbon footprint and that includes the farm. Absolutely and I think what's been really interesting is if, if we look at how this is starting to be to be developed um, you know it's quite complicated on farms because we've got different gases and there's lots of things going on. If you come out of the farm and go further up the supply chain it becomes much simpler because all we're really dealing with is energy in energy out but they're now starting to realise as they, they have to hit their net zero targets that it, a lot of their emissions are actually coming from the products that they buy in obviously which is coming from their farm so our sort of emissions that are coming embedded into our farm we're that for for things that go further up our supply chain and certainly we've done some work recently with some different supply chains where they realize that 80 percent of their emissions are actually coming from the raw materials that are coming off farms so it's a key part of their strategy to look at how they can support those farmers those growers to actually start to reduce their emissions because it has those knock-on effects the really important thing when we start to think about that is actually making sure that the metrics and the way that those footprints are calculated are also taking account some of the good stuff that's going on on farm so that we've got a nice balanced view rather than just looking at some of those sort of emissions intensity and that's one of the puzzles that some of the supply chains are starting to look at at the moment as to how they can start to take account of those things that might be happening at a farm level 
when we've also got sort of multiple products leaving the farm. But it's a key puzzle for them at the moment. And that's why, you know, we've seen it for quite a while in some certain supply chains, like in dairy, for example, we're starting to see a lot more um, a sort of arable supply chain start to, you know, ask their farmers, ask their producers, actually, have you thought about carbon? Actually, have you done a carbon footprint? And what's it starting to tell us? So we focus quite a lot on emissions and just to flag up, we're going to have some podcasts that follow up with a lot more detail on each of those gases and some of the, the, the technical stuff that explained in the context of farming. But actually, we've not talked very much about storage of carbon on farm. And actually, when we think about carbon on farm, actually, what people are often wanting to talk about is the stuff that obsesses me, the soil, but also the hedges and the woodlands. And, and where's that carbon stored? How do you see that fitting into how important that is in a farm's carbon footprint and what opportunities they have to change that going forward? It's incredibly important. You know, we although we've spoken about, you know, it's quite complicated and we're dealing with these sort of biological systems with that. Actually, we are one of the only sectors that are able to provide some of these climate solutions. And, and how we do that is obviously very much linked to what, how we manage our landscapes. And so absolutely, you know, how do we manage our soils? What are our rotations like? How much carbon is already in our soils? What's the potential to increase that is, is such an exciting topic. And I think I'm sure, you know, you'll talk about it as you go through but also then thinking about that other carbon that's stored in those habitats because you know our, our our farms are all across those natural environments and we it's really important to make sure that we don't neglect that carbon because you know there's carbon in our hedgerows there's carbon in our woodlands there's carbon in those areas that we've potentially put into stewardship schemes that we might have not thought about because we've done that from a biodiversity perspective but they're also providing carbon and so making sure that we're taking a complete picture of yes where the emissions are coming from but also where we are storing carbon on farm because we are one of those sectors that is able to provide that positive thing it's really important that we include it and it also allows us to have a positive narrative around this discussion you know often it's seen as quite a you know we're that we're the problem but actually as an industry we are some of the ones that hold the solutions by looking at how we are currently managing our land and how we might be able to adapt that as we move forward to be able to enhance the carbon that we're storing in our soils, in our hedgerows, in our environments and in those bits of uh, those bits of trees that we have across our farms. So just just thinking about that balancey thing and hence the net zero, but how big are the, these things? How how important is, say, the carbon stored in soils compared to the amount we use in diesel? Is there a, I mean, there's there's calculations for working that out, but can you give us a sense of, of how important or relatively important those different pools or bits are? We know that obviously our, our soils will store it, have already got a lot of carbon stored within them as a result of, you know, what we've been doing over the last uh, over the last sort of millennia and all the rest of it. The difficulty when we start thinking about uh, about that carbon footprint and that balance is that we need to make sure that actually we are producing those emissions on an annual basis. And then on the other side, we need to make sure it's not just about saying we have you know, 100 hectares of uh, fields that are in rotation and we have this, it's actually then thinking about how are you managing them because it's that additional carbon that is coming in as a result of your management that is actually what can then provide that balance to, to our emissions. But the potential there is you don't have to be doing very much in terms of improving your soil organic matter, for example, to actually have a massive impact on carbon. So a sort of, you know, back of the envelope calculation, if you can improve your soil organic matter by about 0.1%, which sounds tiny, 
actually that sequesters you another nine tons of carbon per hectare, which can outperform what happens in woodland. Um, so again, it's looking about actually where are those emissions coming from? Where is your potential to improve that? How, where are you in terms of, you know, having that baseline figure around how much carbon have you already got in your soils? Where is the potential to improve that? How does that potentially feed in with as I say, those, those non-soil related carbon pools. So actually how we're managing our hedgerows. Again, really interestingly, I was on a farm a uh, couple of weeks ago where actually they were cutting their hedgerows, you know, quite, quite harshly, um, you know, across the farm. And we worked out that actually if they if they went from a, an annual trimming regime and they went to cutting every three years, they would sequester the same amount of carbon than if they planted 10 hectares of woodland. And that, again, they wouldn't then have to take that land out of production. So by understanding where you're currently having where you've got carbon on the farm where those emissions are coming from that's the first bit to then be able to sort of think well how can i use this information to say what am i doing next and whereas it might not just be focused on carbon you can sort of add carbon in as another metric in terms of where you're trying to take your business as you move forward so it, it, it's in terms of how we compare one against the other, it, it really comes down to management in terms of trying to enhance that carbon storage um, and how how sort of how much we can turn that dial to then balance out what's happening on our emission side. And you know, this is where we're starting to, to really understand the potential for each business to get to net zero. Um, and that will obviously depend on the, you know where that profile is in terms of those emissions from start with and how much land and assets that you have but certainly some of the work we're doing you know we've set that challenge to some of our farmers to get there by 2025 and at the moment they're on track to do that. Wow so we're going to come back in a later podcast and speak much more about the details of monitoring performance yeah, and using carbon footprints and I'm sure I'll ask you then but I'll set you up why do different carbon flipping footprint tools give us different answers you can comment on that one very shortly but I'm also interested in us just finishing off and thinking about what those first recommendations are before someone really gets really deep dives into carbon footprinting what are the first things you'd recommend that they do so touch give us a quick quick highlight on why on earth do those footprint tools not give us all the same answers so it basically um, goes on from what we've been talking about already in terms of whether we've just the calculators have been developed to just look at the intensity of emissions or whether they're looking at everything that's happening on the farm. And there's this, there's some slight tweaks there, but also the amount of assumptions that sit behind the calculator. So the amount of data that you need to put in as the farmer versus then how much that calculator is saying, well, if you've got this, it actually might mean that you're doing this. And, and we can definitely come back to that. So it's about the amount of data that you need to put in that then reflects that farm, but also whether they're taking everything into account or whether they're just slicing out one bit of your business and then they're assessing the emissions associated with that. Okay. So they are slightly different, but you know, before people go, well, there's no point in doing it. It doesn't matter which calculator you use. They will always highlight the same hotspots in terms of where majority of your emissions are coming from. They might give you a slightly different number at the end, but they will all be consistent in terms of highlighting the areas that you might want to focus on in terms of reducing those emissions. OK, so your top tip then for farmers listening to this in the context of thinking about the other changes that are going on in their farming business, needing to build in resilience for the future and taking into account all those changes in income um, and climate change actually as a threat to just being able to produce things on farm, that more extreme weather. What's your top tip then in terms of, in that context, what about carbon and, and how we should be taking account of this stuff on farm? What should, what should each farmer be doing? <laughs> 
So just start to think about it, I think, is the first one. You know, it, it's been one of those things because we, we think it's negative. There's a little bit of we'll put our fingers in our ears and ignore it and, and, and something will come. Be proactive. Think about actually which are those supply chains that you're supplying into, because if they're not asking you for this information already, they will do. So put yourself on the front foot and realise that actually by being proactive, by taking that step, it doesn't need to be a step of doing a complete carbon footprint. But by just thinking about how carbon moves through your business, you will start to allow your business to become more resilient because, as we've said, we know that high greenhouse gas emissions are associated with a high use of resources that are coming onto the farm. There is a financial benefit to reduce that because you're reducing your reliance on external inputs, which are very volatile in terms of prices. If we can start to look at how we can enhance that carbon storage on our farm, that allows us to be more resilient when we have these bonkers weather patterns that are coming through. It allows us to actually improve the stability of our yield to be able to cope with those different conditions. So even if you're not focused on carbon, because you're interested in carbon, it has a benefit in terms of your farm economic performance. It benefits you in terms of that resilient planning. And it just gives you an opportunity to just stand back and look at your business through a slightly different lens. It's not, you know, and it can sometimes be something which people are a bit overwhelmed or a bit scared by. Just have a go. It doesn't, you know, and just think about feed, fertilizer, fuel, soils. Those just start thinking about how are you managing those things on your farm? Because that's where if you get to the point of going through to a carbon footprint, those are the things which you will then be focusing on. And you can get into all the fun detail that we, we all love doing. But just starting about those sort of things and just doing something, just putting dipping a toe in the water is will then you'll get hooked. And you'll be you'll be doing lots of different scenario <laughs> plans until Christmas. <laughs> we could keep talking about this for hours, but we're not going to. Thank you very much for your time today. And we'll obviously no. come back and talk again later. No problem. Thank you.